We will be in Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. This is a very popular chapter in Hebrews, probably the most read chapter in the book of Hebrews. Uh, the chapter of faith, the hall of faith, uh, the wall of faith, whatever, however you want to uh, talk about these things. But this is a very popular passage and we're not going to read all of it, although it would do us some good to read all these things. Because there's a lot of, a lot of truth uh, in, these, in these passages here. But we're going to begin reading right there at verse number one. And talk about faith this morning. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we need you this morning. And we want your presence here, Lord. We covet your, your presence and your blessing uh, that comes along with your presence, Lord. I need you this morning. Lord, help us to understand what you have for us this morning in this day and age that we live. Lord, many things are, are moving left and right, things going sideways. Lord, things that we thought would never move are moving. And Lord, and I pray, Lord, that we can put our faith in the unmovable God. We can put our faith in you who doesn't change, Lord, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, help us to, to focus on you this morning. Help us, to, as, as we've already mentioned, Lord, to see you high and lifted up. Lord, regardless of of where we are, what our morning was like, or what tomorrow's like. Lord, I pray, Lord, for these moments. Lord, use this old preacher, Lord, to, to point this church to you. Lord, help us to see you in your rightful place. Put you upon the throne of our hearts and in our minds and all that we are. Lord, we surrender to you. And Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So a few, a few weeks ago, I, I preached a couple messages, uh, one entitled Real Hope and one entitled Real Faith or Real Love, rather, which were a follow on to a message about a year ago entitled Real Hope. You know, in that sermon, Real Faith or the year ago was Real Faith, by the way, we we talked about seven principles. I don't know if you all remember that, but seven principles that people of real faith live by. And we won't go through all those principles, but I want to sum it up with just one verse, half of just one verse, Habakkuk 2.4. In the Old Testament, the prophet there wrote in verse 4 of chapter 2, the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. So here in this chapter here, uh, we have the author of Hebrews, whoever that might be. I have some strong opinions about that. But it's not preaching this morning. So he has some strong opinions about what faith is. And really, he's writing the, the words of God. Uh, some folks tell us that this is not the definition of faith. It's maybe a description of faith. 
But we want to we want to see what the what the word of God has this morning. And we want to understand that whether it's the author defining it or describing it, practically speaking, it really doesn't make a difference when it comes down to how we play out that faith, how we live by our faith. You know, it's been said before that the common denominator in faith or in life, rather, is faith. The common denominator in life is faith. All of us have faith. Everybody has faith. Romans 12, 3 says that God hath dealt to every man, every man, the measure of faith. In other words, let me just put this in some, some words that I understand. Every person ever born from Adam and Eve, I know they were created, but Adam and Eve and, and up until today and, and even into the future, every person exercises faith. Every person. They put faith in something every day. It's just something built into us. Faith. For example, most folks don't know or, or know very little about, uh, including me, about how some things work. You know, maybe some technological things on, on how, I mean, I'm preaching from an iPad. I couldn't, I couldn't build this. I have no idea how it works. But I trust that my sermons made it from there to here on my iPad. That's faith. It's something that's built in. We don't know how these things work, but we have faith that they will do what the experts say they will do. We have faith that when we board an aircraft to our planned destination, destination, we have faith that we're going to get there. Otherwise, we wouldn't get on that plane. Now, we don't think about that as faith. Maybe we think of that as hope. Maybe we trust the, uh, the, the millions of folks who have flown before us. But I think we just take for granted our faith. But we exercise faith, no doubt, to get on that airplane. Some of us put remarkable faith in our favorite news media. Maybe that's a long time ago, maybe. And, but we do hopefully trust that we're getting the undefiled truth. Maybe. But simply put, we exercise our God-given faith in all kinds of things every day. Sometimes we exercise our faith in trivial things, like our car starting. Sometimes it's a little bit more important. And Hebrews chapter 11, or chapter 1 here, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But again, we talk about def definitions and descriptions, but I like the first three words of that chapter. Now faith is. Faith is these things. So verse 1 right here links faith to the unseen things that we hope for. You know, we can't see how FaceTime works. I talk to my daughter sometimes on FaceTime. She's in the States. But when I hit that, that button, I have faith that her face is going to come up. We can't see or understand, again, all the moving parts of an aircraft. But we hope we have a safe flight. And we cannot see what the news reporter saw, but we hope we get a correct report. You see, the, the problem today in society is, is not so much a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith in the right thing. It's a lack of faith in God. Romans chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible, the Bible says, Paul writes, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There's that, there's that passage again. And then in Galatians chapter 3, verse 11, Paul again writes, No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. The just, we who have exercised that faith in Jesus Christ, shall live by faith. And here in our own book here, Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to look back at verse 38, it says, 
Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So again, it's not that people don't exercise faith in this world. It's that we don't exercise faith in God. And Hebrews 11, the entire book of Hebrews, is written to believers. So whatever we take from this chapter, we must very obviously begin with a faith in God. Otherwise, it's not going to do anything for us this morning. We must have a faith in God. It begins with a belief in God. And actually, believes, it begins with a belief, a faith in something that we cannot see. And as Christians, we are here this morning. We're gathered around here believing that the Spirit of God is here. But we cannot see Him. We cannot see Him. We have faith in what we cannot see. You know, we do not receive eternal life through knowledge. It's not a head knowledge. We do not receive eternal life through experience or a feeling. Even though those things may point us to eternal life, they might point us to the, to the right direction sometimes, but it's not through them that we get a right relationship with God. It's through faith. And it must be through faith. Not just a general faith, but a specific faith in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 14, 1, Jesus said, Ye believe in God, believe also in me. And Ephesians 2 tells us that by God's grace we are saved, but it's through faith. Through faith. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So very clearly this morning, this is all kind of, kind of by way of a long introduction, there must be an element of faith in our life. To be a Christian, there must be an element of faith. If there is no element of faith, there's no walk with God. There must be an element of faith. And this is exactly why it's so important to trust God in this life. Think about that for a moment. When we are standing before God, faith is gone. We don't need faith anymore. When we're standing before an holy God, our faith becomes sight. And if we don't have faith here, our judgment becomes sight. We need faith in this life, not in the next. This life. For by grace are you saved through faith. Salvation requires faith now, not tomorrow. There has to be a moment in our life as Christians or as, as humans when we believe in a God that we cannot see. There has to be a moment that we believe in a God whom we cannot see with our eyes. We have, we have to reach out to Jesus whom we cannot see, whom we cannot touch, whom we cannot feel. We have to take that leap of faith into what we would think is the unknown. We have to grab onto a hand that we cannot see. And we must trust Him to do what we cannot see. To lead us in areas that we cannot see. That's faith. As Christians, we must live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Again, every single day, every person on the planet puts extreme amounts of faith in the things they don't understand. We put extreme amount of faith in what man has said or in something man has built, but not in what God has said or what God has made. But in exchange for salvation a, and a right relationship with God, our God doesn't ask for an extreme amount of faith. Just a little bit. Just a kernel of faith. Matthew 17, 20 states that we can move mountains with a mustard seed of faith. A mustard seed of faith. You know, it takes, 
less faith probably to trust in Christ for eternal life than it does to get on those airplanes. It really does. Because God has given us that faith. We must exercise it in what God has given, it, given, it, given to us for. A mustard seed of faith can remove a mountain. You know, because we are born in sin and we exercise sin, there is a mountain-sized a mountain-sized sin in between us and God. And it takes a kernel to move it out of the way. Isn't that great? A kernel, a mustard seed, smaller than a, than a popcorn thing before it's popped. That amount of faith can remove a whole mountain between us and God. Between us and God. But truth be told, it's not our faith that moves that mountain. It's not our faith that saves. It's through that faith. It's by grace that we are saved. It is who we put our faith in. It is Christ who became our sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It is Christ who became our sin and nailed that sin to that old wicked cross. All of our sin is on that cross. And you know, it stayed on that cross or on, in his body when he took it to the grave, stayed in the tomb. And when Christ came out of that grave, the sin stayed there. That's where our sin's at. We don't live under that bondage anymore. So our faith is not just a one-time thing. It's an eternal thing. Our, our salvation is an eternal thing. We live by faith. And notice again, if you, have, if you remember Habakkuk 2.4, it should be a reference that we turn to quite often. It should be an encouragement, I think. It says the just shall live by his faith. Not just faith, but his faith. And I know that... It, all three New Testament references to Habakkuk 2.4 remove that personal pronoun. But the surrounding text of all the New Testament uh, verses there imply a personal amount of faith. A personal responsibility. The just shall live by his faith. You shall live. You must live by your faith. Listen, we, we live in a world right now where nominal Christianity reigns. It's everywhere. There are so many people. I'm a Christian, but that really don't mean anything. It's like I'm a car salesman, but I have never sold a car in my life. That's nominal Christianity. And it is rampant in the world today. We need people who must live by their faith. We need pastors and deacons and church members to live by their faith. Take it seriously. We should take our life as serious as Christ has taken our life. And remember, he died for it. He went to the cross Living by faith is a personal Christian responsibility. You know, as believers, we realize that we serve a holy God. He's, he's holy more than we can even imagine. A holy God. And that same holy God demands a holy life from us. But many times, me and this pastor friend of mine down in Garmisch, he's, he's long gone now. But we had this conversation about holiness. And not just for the world, but for Christians. Because to be honest... Let me go back some. You remember in the Old Testament where, where God is through the prophets talking to the, the nation of Israel. And he said, because of you, the Jews, God's chosen people, because of the chosen people, the world has blasphemed God. Right? We're falling into that same trap today. Our churches all around the world, because of us, the world blasphemes God. In other words, we need people, Christians, who are doing the right thing. A personal responsibility. A holy God demanding a holy life. And while we're living that, today, many Christians look for loopholes instead of that holiness. We go through the scriptures, oh, I can get away with that. We're looking for loopholes. It's the wrong approach. 
loopholes in Scripture instead of holiness. We search for liberty instead of righteousness. We look for the grace instead of the obedience. Now, there's a place for grace, and we should, we should serve God because of His grace and His love for us, but we are not to sin because of that grace. Paul says, God forbid. In Hebrews chapter 11, speaking of today and those many of us who don't take our faith very seriously, in Hebrews chapter 11, God lists a number of men and women who have taken their faith very seriously. They've given their lives. Look at the, uh, look at the end of, of chapter 11. One of the things I love, look, look at verse, 30, or verse 37. It says, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Have we done any of these things? Verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves and the earth and all these having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, you and me, that they without us should not be made perfect. That means they did all those things, and we don't have to do all those things, but we can be made perfect with them. They bore the heat of the day. And these, these men here that God is, these men and women that God's listed, they're not perfect. They make mistakes. We've, we've read the Old Testament. They've made a lot of mistakes. But they made a point to live by faith. They knew what repentance meant. They knew how to get on their knees before a holy God, regardless of the sin that they had, and say, Lord, forgive me. I have sinned. And not just the words, but there was a change in direction, which is really the definition of repentance. They made it a point to live out their lives. And while we won't look at each one of these lives this morning, I want to pull out some principles from Hebrews chapter 11 this morning. A few descriptions of faith that I believe are found right here in Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse number 1 again. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. That word substance is used five times only in the entire New Testament. And four of those times it's translated as confidence or something being confident. Faith is... So number one, if you're taking notes this morning, faith is the confidence of things hoped for. In other words, faith gives us confidence to hope. Confidence to hope. Let me put it this way. It's the stuff. You know, you ever, you ever, you ever see a fighter or watch a fighting movie or, or go in the army? We have those boxing smokers, you know, when you get up there. And the guy is like, the guy that's losing, he's there. He's, he's lost many times. He's, the other guy's got way too many Hits on to them because they, they, grade, they grade those things by points. But somehow he, he manages to muster up something down deep. And he pulls it out and, he's, and he wins the fight. That's faith. Not that we muster up anything, but God gives us that. It's the, it's the stuff in our spiritual basement, if you will. The stuff that keeps us going on and on and on and on. It's the foundation of our hope. The very substance of our hope. And it gives us the ability to reach out into the unknown. It gives us the ability to reach out into unknown. You know, to believe in something, we get, it gives us the ability to believe in something that we cannot detect with our five senses. With our five senses. You know, Warren Worsby said that faith is kind of a spiritual sixth sense that enables the believer to take a firm hold upon the unseen world and bring it into the realm of experience. 
to bring it into the realm of experience. So, you know, it's no surprise today we see the world. The world says seeing is believing. God says, his word says, believe and then you shall see. And using our earthly example of getting on a plane and, and, and without seeing how it flies, it just shows that even the world, even though they say that, but that seeing is believing, they don't even live by that. Because they get on that plane, they don't understand how that works. And again, faith is like our sixth sense. Whether it's faith in God or faith in man's equipment, it's just that, that internal, that, that something inside of us that says, I can trust this. And sometimes it's illogical. Sometimes in battle, sometimes that faith is illogical, whether it's a spiritual battle or, or downrange somewhere, we can go through a thing knowing that God has given us a peace. You know what? I'm going to be all right. And you just step out. And you know, it's, you know what I'm talking about. You just go. That's faith. Faith in a God. In other words, like our, like our ears enable us to hear and our eyes enable us to see, faith is the substance that enables us to hope. Look at that verse again. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It enables us to hope. And if you were to do a quick study on our senses, you know, like taste, touch, hear, see, smell, and how they actually work, it's quite amazing. It is very quite amazing. For example, when we smell something, receptors in our nose react to the, to the odor molecules that are in the air, and then they send a message to our brain that something smells very awesome, or something doesn't smell so awesome. <laughs> Our noses allow us to enjoy the sweet smells of pecan pie and Popeyes and Taco Bell or Pizza Hut, whatever. Our, 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 our noses give us that ability. But those same noses will stop us dead in our tracks when we walk into a teenage boy's room. <laughs> whatever it may be, we are convinced that something is present nearby even because we can smell it. Or we can touch it or taste it or some of those things or even see it. But if we were to lose our sense of smell, you know, that Popeye's chicken was set right in front of us and we were, we were blindfolded. We would still inhale those same odors. They'd still be there. But we wouldn't know it's in front of us because our nose is broken. It doesn't work. We would not recognize through our sense of smell that something nearby is awesome, even within reach. And the same is true of our faith. When our faith is broken, it will not see the things of God. It just won't work. Our faith must be active and working. The stronger our faith, the stronger our sense of smell or sense of faith, the more we will recognize and enjoy the things of God. The more we will recognize the things of God. And just like when our sense of smell is weak, we don't, we don't know what's on the table in front of us, when our sense of faith is weak. We will not be sensitive to the things of God in our life. You ever, you ever went through some periods in your life? God is just not giving me any direction. God is not giving me any leading. I have no idea where I'm going. I just get up every day and I have no idea what's going on. I, Lord, lead me. But we can't see it because we can't smell it because our faith is broken. We don't have, our faith is not strong enough to pick up the things that God's leaving us. When our faith is weak, we will not see his hand, even though it's right in front of us. So again, faith is not only the common denominator in our physical walk, like getting on airplanes and such, but also in our spiritual walk. And the guiding principle to increasing our faith is no surprise. It's the word of God. It's this right here. 
Anytime the Word of God is involved in anything in your life, your faith will be increased if you're attentive to it, if you're following along, if you're asking God to lead you. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by this book, by the Word of God. When our faith is increased, not only will we more so recognize God in our life, our confidence in the things of God will also increase. It's the substance of things hoped for. The substance of things hoped for. But also look at that verse. Not, it's not just the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. I think this part is spectacular. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So faith is the confidence of things hoped for. And faith is the confirmation of things not seen. Faith is evidence. And you're probably thinking, well, that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, let's, let's see what the Bible says here. Faith is confirmation. Again, we're not talking about a general faith here. We're talking about a divine faith, a God-given faith exercised in that God. Every person, again, has a general faith. But we're going to talk about faith in God here for a moment. Faith confirms what we cannot see. The Bible states that it is evidence. We see that right here in, in, this, in the text. So think of this. Think of your favorite restaurant. Or maybe your favorite dessert. If you were to come near those desserts or into that restaurant, you would know for sure they were near. I mean, you recognize the smell. I mean, there's certain things that just trigger you. Maybe, maybe the smell of, I don't know, chocolate ice cream or something. Or maybe the smell of gunpowder knows you're, you're near a range or something. I don't know. There's things in there that you know for sure that because you've smelled them, they're nearby. Even if we were blindfolded, our sense of smell would confirm to us that that was in the room or nearby. We may not be able to see it, but the smell is confirmation that it exists. That's how our faith works. Evidence of things not seen. Evidence of things not seen. Our faith confirms to us that there is a God. Think about that for a moment. Our faith, the fact that you have a faith, confirms that there is a God. Our faith confirms to us that God sent His Son. Our faith confirms that his scriptures are true. Look at verse 3. Our faith, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So our faith confirms the existence of the invisible. Look at the rest of that verse, verse 3. We're framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. How do we understand that? By faith. And that's a, a, a later on point here. But our faith confirms the existence of something invisible. Look over at chapter 12 of Hebrews. Verse number 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the receiver of our faith. Author. Author. So let me get this. Let me just put some things together here. So if, if I made this, and I give you this, and you know that I made this, does that not tell me that, some, that you know me, right? That I made that. Let me just put it in the clear. Let me just put it in back in, in Bible form here. If we have faith, and Jesus is the author of that faith, if we have faith, does, not, does that not prove the existence of the originator of that faith, right? How many of you have faith this morning? Amen. We have faith. Who gave us that faith? Jesus Christ. So because we have that faith, there is a Jesus Christ. 
It makes sense. It's just common sense. We have faith because God gave us that faith. And because we have that faith, Jesus exists. Now, I know that's kind of circular reasoning. And we wouldn't use that in a empirical test here. But we have it. We know it. It's not a scientific thing. It's a spiritual thing. Our faith confirms the existence of the Lord Jesus Christ. But all too often, in the skeptical world that we live in, our doubt of that faith or of the Lord Jesus Christ begins to creep into our lives. Sometimes it's circumstances. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's movies. Sometimes it's music. But that doubt seems, seems to have its way to be able to creep into our lives all the time. We're, we're not immune to it. It's always coming. We doubt the things that we once had faith in. I've actually been through a passage of Scripture, a couple passages of Scripture in my life, that early on, I believe through study and through faith and by trusting the Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, the Lord has taught me some things from the Scripture. And then I live a life that's a little different, right? I get away from the Word of God, and I go back to that text somehow, and I know that I used to know the definition. I used to know what it meant, but I can't see the answer anymore. I can study it all day long. I can't see it. It's, it's far removed. Because there was a time when I understood it, I had faith. I, enough faith where God can give me some understanding. And now I've moved along. We doubt things that, once we, had, that we once had faith in. We say things like, did God really say that? There's got to be another explanation. Let me, let me find another verse that, that kind of contradicts that verse. And when we're going through those things... One of the things that I think the Lord has taught me just here in the last couple of years, that we must be sensitive to God, no, no doubt. We must be sensitive and realize that there are some things that are spiritual battles. More often than we think. More often. Matter of fact, if you were to take what you think is a spiritual battle, we can probably multiply that by 10 and walk away, probably still shortchanging what is really spiritual battles. We are in a spiritual battle. We must realize that there are attacks on our life and our faith and our families every single day. What does Second Peter or First Peter rather five eight say? The devil, our adversary, he walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy us. And our only defense against this kind of attack is faith. It's the, the word of God increasing our faith. It's through the preaching and the studying and the meditating upon the Word of God. Listen, preachers don't just go around saying you need to be in this book just because they like saying that. Although I do like saying that. Again, I think it's a good thing. But we need this book. It's not something I need to study so I can make God happy today. I need to study so I have the tools to live through this day. I need this book. I need the power of God on my life. The only defense against Satan's attacks is the faith of God. The Word of God. The Word of God. If you were to go through those, those, uh, those listings, those seven listings of tools, y'all remember the, the weapons of warfare? You know, it lists a shield of faith and the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. The Word of God is the only offensive weapon in there. So we need to go on the offense, but today we're going to talk about the defense. We're talking about faith. How do we increase our faith? Ephesians chapter 6, where those weapons are listed, states that our faith is the shield that protects us, specifically from the fiery darts of the wicked one. One of Satan's most efficient weapons today, and of all times, I think, are the darts of doubt. The darts of doubt. I mean, what was his first, what was his first words? Hath God said. 
doubt the Word of God. Doubt this. Doubt what's, what's true to us. Doubt the truth. The darts of doubt. And only the shield of faith can keep those darts away. We must let the Word of God dwell in our hearts. We must let the Word of God influence us. Influence us. Impact us. Let it change us. Don't let the world change us. Let's be unmovable before the world and only let God move us. Let the Word change you. It's only through the Word that increases our faith that we can get that victory that we want. And sometimes we don't even want that victory. Let's be awesome. We're getting the, the, the doubts. They're coming in. And there's something in us that just wants to roll with that sometimes. I don't know what it is. Well, let's go with that. And did God really say that? And maybe we're looking through here. We're trying to find some loopholes. And then maybe the Holy Spirit comes in like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then maybe we just kind of put him back in the, in the door where you think he belongs. And we just go along following the world and Satan and all these things. Trust God. Trust God. Many times the Holy Spirit will lead us in a certain direction. But as soon as our walk starts to falter, as soon as some circumstances get into our life that wants to change us, that does change us, we can't see where God wants us to be anymore. Matter of fact, I, I had a, when I, when I, when I left here, I, I think I mentioned a couple Sundays ago that right over there in that chair over there, well, it's probably rearranged, but same chairs. I don't know if it was that chair, but I surrendered to go into full-time ministry. I had to give my whole life to God. Uh, I think Axel was here. I think he's probably the only one that was in here then. Maybe Dave. No, I don't think David was here. But anyway, so I surrendered to give my whole life to God. Not that I have anything to offer, but what I do have to offer, I want him to have. But then you go away and you move to the States and you get those, those comforts and wherever you move. It don't matter where you move, but you get away from that. And you get away from that experience. Not that God uses only experiences. He uses the Word of God. He uses the men of God. And He uses the prayer of God. But all of that I walked away from. And I got to a point where almost, I wouldn't say this, but almost, did God really say that? Did God really call me? Did God really want me to, to give it all up? Listen, God, you've given me so much. I can stay right where I'm at and just, I can be a faithful church member. I'll go, what they used to say, three to thrive. I'll go Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday, morning, Wednesday evening. I will be the perfect church attendant. I'll give my 10%. I'll do all that. But you didn't really say that, did you? You didn't, really, you didn't want me to do more, did you? I heard, a, during that time, I heard for the first time a, a friend of mine, a friend of Kiki's that we got to know pretty well. Her, she grew up on a mission field in, in Micronesia. And she told me this. It's not original with her. But she said, don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. If God's called you to do something, if God's laid on your heart to do something, no matter where we're at in this life, hold on to that. And if God's not spoken to you, God's spoken to you. We have his word. So don't doubt in the night what God's given you in the light. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Faith is the victory. Faith is the confidence of hope. Faith is the confirmation of invisible things. And then look at verse number three again. We're going to jump over two. We'll come back to that. It says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. So faith is the corridor. I thought about this one, Brother Tyler, because it starts with a C. But corridor of biblical understanding. Faith is the passageway through which we receive teaching and understanding, enlightenment, if you will, from the Holy Spirit. It's the rails. 
right? Grace runs on faith rails to get to us. God's understanding runs on the rails of faith, the corridor, the passageway to get to us. This third principle of faith goes along with the second principle in that it helps us to confirm the unseen. But verse 3 goes a little bit further. It goes a little bit further down this process. Going back to our uh, to comparing faith to our senses, our sense of smell picks up on something. It picks up, it picks up on something that we like and then sends that information to our brain. Our brain then decodes that information and puts it in a way where we can connect that smell with something that tastes right, right? We smell the pecan pie, we know what it tastes like. I mean, just like that, right? I mean, you smell, you smell your favorite dessert. I mean, I don't know. Johnny, we were sitting at the, at the table last night, and Johnny's like... <laughs> He leans over and Dad, is, did, you, did you change your cologne? You smell like bubble gum or whatever it was, Johnny. Bubble, I was like, no, I don't wear, I'm not even wearing cologne, and nor would I wear bubble gum smelling cologne. <laughs> and we're having this conversation, and then it dawns on him that he's eating the ice cream, and it's bubble gum flavors. So I'm no kidding, it's, it smells of that or whatever. So it was, the wind was blowing, so I, I give him some leeway there, but we can smell that. And you know what's in the cup. You smell pecan pie. You smell Popeyes or whatever it may be. I'll probably get where I eat a lot of here lately. But we smell those things and we automatically know what they taste like. Because our brain gives us that. It, let me put it this way. It makes the smell usable. Right? So you smell something and you can automatically use what you've just learned. And faith works similar. Faith makes the information of God usable. Faith makes the things of God usable, makes them practical in our life. It has the ability to permeate all of our life, every aspect of our life. That's what faith does for us. It enables us to take all of our known information of God and help us understand the unknown information of God based on the Word of God. Look at verse 3 again. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which, which do appear. Through faith we understand that what we can see was made by what we cannot see. That's faith. Faith enables us to understand the unknown, to see the unseen, to perceive the unseen. Verse 3 again tells us that faith is the substance. We see all this, 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 this pattern here. Faith is the substance. Faith is the evidence. And through faith we understand. And it is by this process that our faith is increased. It begins by giving us confidence in the things of God that we cannot see. As it strengthens, it confirms the things of God that we cannot see. And then our faith gives us spiritual understanding in the things of God that we cannot see. Faith enables us to actually perceive what cannot be seen. That is faith. And again... God has given every man a measure of faith. It's no surprise that as Christians, the just shall live by faith. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Here's, here's where it all comes together. As Christians, if we believe in a God that we cannot see, then we must also follow that same God into places we cannot see. Right? If we say we believe in a God we cannot see, then we must live by faith not knowing what the future is, not knowing what the next day holds, not knowing what our bank account is going to look like a, a few days from now. We live by faith. We trust Him. Always. Always. We trust Him even when everybody else does not. 
when all else fails, we trust God. We have faith in God, even when it seems illogical, even when it seems illogical. No matter what, we are to be a people of faith who perceive the things of God through our faith in God. The just shall live by faith. But unfortunately, as Christians, as we all know and experience, life just doesn't always work out that way, does it? Many times, even in my own life, I believe that God has enabled me through faith to take the next step. But I didn't exercise that faith and take the next step. And unfortunately, I will never know where that led. Right? I've, I've met old men, like 90 years old, that were called to the ministry where they were in their 20s and now are bitter. And they even know and recognize the reason they're bitter is because I left God. Now, they go in the church, they're doing all the right things, but they didn't do what God wanted them to do. Don't let the world take your faith from you. Again, who knows? I mean, that could be a something, something as simple as walking through. I, I drove through Parsbury not long ago, and this is, I'll, I'll confess my sin. I've already confessed it to God, so it's, it's, all, it's all done and taken care of. Driving down the road, and I see a, an individual walk up. I've never, never heard him up. Now, now I'm the dip where George and Catherine used to live at, right? You know, 60 kilometers. Yeah, people get speeding tickets down there. Anyway, I've not got one. But uh, just bragging there a little bit, I guess. But anyway, I'm driving through there, and I see a man walking up on the side. Never met that man in my life. I, as, as God is my, tr- as my witness, God says, stop the car and go talk to that man. I'm not even, I'm not, not a vocal verse or something like Not a vocal voice, of course, just a, a strong presence. And I did not. Who knows if I will ever cross that man again? Who knows? Follow our God. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Have the faith. Even if it's awkward, even if it's crazy, even if it's illogical, have the faith to take the next step. Have the faith. A lesson that I've learned and a good advice for every Christian, I think, is always take the next step with God. Always. Always go through every door he opens. Even if it doesn't make sense. Just go. Faith upon faith upon faith helps us to understand what we do not understand. And in this verse... Verse number three, it specifically helps us to understand how the creation of the world, how the world came into existence. Look at that. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Listen, if our God, if our God given faith rather can help us to understand the creation of the entire world. Surely we can get through the next five minutes through our faith. Surely we can make it through the the day and through the next week, day to day living. That's our God, and he runs on our faith. I understand that there might be some debate in this verse here about what worlds is meant, as it's translated in some versions as ages, but at any rate, God created all of space, time, and matter. So it all matters, and all works out here, and enables us to see what we cannot see. It helps us to understand what we cannot understand. Faith helps us understand this book. Again, it's not our faith that does it, It's the channel, the corridor that God gives. Faith helps us in our understanding of Scripture. And without faith, there there really is no understanding of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him. And John 14.26 tells us that it is the Holy Spirit who teaches us. 
So we trust God. We have faith in God and follow the leading and the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit teaches us only through faith, faith, therefore, becomes an essential ingredient for our spiritual growth and victory. Very essential. As a matter of fact, without it, we cannot please him. Our faith is increased through the word of God. And practically speaking, our faith for tomorrow is increased when we trust God today. Our faith for tomorrow is increased when we trust God today. We must be a people of faith. And I know we're, we're kind of coming to a close here, but I want to point out a couple more things here. Notice also that faith is not some abstract emotion or feeling. I likened it earlier to some spiritual stuff in the basement, but that is what God has put in, that, in, in, in us. True faith is more than just intellect. It's more than just knowledge. It's more than just a hunch. True faith is from God. And true faith is always, 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 always a practical faith. A faith that's not practical, read the book of James, is not a real faith. Look at verse 2. By it the elders obtained a good report. Verse 6 says, without faith it's impossible to please him. So just in these few verses here, we see that faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Faith is the confirmation of things not seen. Faith is the corridor of biblical understanding. And then lastly, verse 6 there, without faith, it's impossible to please him. Again, it's that conduit through which we please God. For by it, the elders obtain a good report. We can therefore easily conclude that there is no good report without faith in God. And the author goes on to list 16 different people by faith, Abel, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Noah, by faith, Abraham, and so forth and so forth. Faith in God is a common denominator in the people of God. And it must be a common denominator, common denominator in our life. In fact, the word faith is used 24 times in this chapter alone. Each one of these individuals lived a life pleasing to God and they took their faith in God seriously. And I want to just kind of close here this morning kind of how I started. We talked about how today we need people of a real faith, a, a faith that's, that's genuine, a faith that leads out these things. And the Bible here gives us a, a number of examples, one of them being Moses, how he esteemed the riches of Christ greater than the riches in Egypt. And that kind of just brings it all back down to this. Are we willing to give up all that we have to live up our faith, to live it out? Now, praise God, God's not asking us to live a life of Moses, but Moses walked away from 40 years of a, of a grand life. I mean, he lived in Pharaoh's house. He lived in the richest nation on the planet. He lived in the headquarters, and he walked away from it by faith. We see that. Look at verse, uh, in this chapter here, look down at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, we know that it would be 40, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Are we willing to walk away? Are we willing to give it all up, to go against the world, to be for our God? He forsook the world for Jesus. Will we forsake the world for Jesus? Not just because do we follow him. And I want to I close by just saying, 
If you remember anything at all from this sermon, follow God, trust in Him, have faith in God. So the question is, how is your faith? How is your faith this morning? Is it genuine? Is it real? Is it a practical faith? Does it lead you, guide you? And I think we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. We thank you for your Son. Lord, we thank you for the God-given faith that you have given us, Lord, and help us to exercise this faith in what you've intended it to be exercised in, and that is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us today, Lord. Help us uh, to serve you with a whole heart. Help our faith to be real. Help us to exercise it in a way uh, that brings you glory. Lord, help us not to be nominal. Help us to be real. Lord, if we were on a court today, could we be con convicted of being a Christian? Lord, I pray that's the case. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.